So it's a bit grandiose having a title for a talk that's only 10 minutes long, isn't it? But anyway, I've called this talk, Don't Let the Side Down, Ships That Pass in the Night. So, Don't Let the Side Down, Ships That Pass in the Night were invariably my mum's parting words to me as a teenager as I left the house for a night out with my mates. And I've tried using them with Hannah, who's my partner's daughter, when she was about the same age. But I don't think she quite got it, because once, when I forgot to say it on her way out, she said, go on, say that boat thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's, what's that got to do with anything? Well, don't let the side down, reminds me of the lines from the Bodhichara Avatara, which I had stuck on the wall at the back of my shrine for quite some time before I became a Mitra. In fact, they were really pertinent to my decision to become a Mitra. And the lines went, Today my birth has borne fruit and my humanity has been fulfilled. Today I am reborn in the Buddha family and I am now a daughter of the Buddha. And now I must live up to my birth and by my actions must place no stain upon that spotless family. So... Although I'd been coming along to the centre here for around two years, twice a week, religiously, I'd hesitated to become a Mitra precisely because of those lines. So after years of binge drinking, I was still struggling to get my consumption of alcohol under control. And what I felt really strongly was that I didn't want to let the side down. I lived in a small community and I didn't want the locals saying, there goes our local Buddhist rolling out of the pub and staggering down the road. <laughs> I didn't want, by my actions, to put a stain on that spotless family. So it wasn't until I trusted myself enough not to do that that I felt happy to become a Mitra. So I'm not saying that I never got drunk again after that. I have, but it was no longer a thrice-weekly event. In fact, if it happened once every three years after that, I'd be surprised. And I did struggle at first. I used to wish that there was a pill I could take which would make me not want to get drunk. And ironically, my wish has now come true because the medication I take for my rheumatoid arthritis means that alcohol is a big no-no as my liver's working so hard trying to process the, the toxic medication. There's nothing left over to cope with alcohol. So as they say, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> So having said that, I really do have a take-it-or-leave-it attitude to alcohol now, which is what I'd always really hoped for. And it did, after some time, come about quite naturally. It just kind of fell away. And in Vision and Transformation, Banty says, Sometimes people think in terms of sacrifice, that with a great painful wrench you give something up, but it should not be like that. In Buddhism, there is really no such thing as giving up in this way. From the Buddhist point of view, what is required is not so much giving up as growing up. It is no sacrifice to the adolescent to give up the child's toys. So Vidyamala suggested I talk about confession practice today. And I've come at this by a bit of a circuitous route. But there is something in it for me about not letting the side down, not putting a stain on the spotless Buddha family. And I guess that's to do with ethical practice. So me and Kate Clark have a confession practice and this was something she suggested and I'm very grateful that she did. The 
practicalities are that we meet around every month to six weeks and I think we both wish it was more frequently. I'm not sure if Kate feels the same but I don't initially look forward to it. It's in the middle of a busy working day here at the centre and I often just don't feel like it. I feel a bit resistant and it all feels a bit of an effort. I suspect it's not easy for Kate either as she will have worked on reception all morning and often has study straight afterwards and with her health condition she could just do with an hour's rest. But we meet, we have a quick lunch together and then we do our confession practice. Having said that I don't relish the idea of meeting, I'm now getting used to how quickly that feeling dissipates as soon as we begin the practice and ultimately how very happy I am to be spending my time in such a meaningful way and there's nothing shuddest about it. It's a very genuine feeling, delight in my friend's strong ethical practice and a feeling of lightness and relief after having confessed and if there are any ex-Catholics out there do please forget the confessional box because it's nothing like that. So we decide who wants to go first, let's say it's me, and Kate will listen without comment to my confession, and I mean she really listens, at the end of which she'll say the words, I hear and accept your confession, may you be purified. The only time she may comment if, is if she's in doubt whether I have in fact broken a precept and then she'll ask me which precepts I think I have broken and sometimes that happens. So for example, say I've had cause to speak firmly to one of my partner's children. I may feel uneasy about that and confess it but that uneasiness could be to do with my not being happy taking an authoritative role with them rather than any unskillfulness on my part and provided I've not spoken harshly or unkindly kindly and my mental states were located in the love rather than the power mode. It could well be that I haven't actually broken the precept, so sometimes that's worth exploring. And sometimes um, one of us might say after the confession, do you mind if I say something? But, but what doesn't happen is collusion. Well, I'm not surprised you gave him a black eye, I'd have done the same. <laughs> or making excuses, hormones. <laughs> or even comforting during the actual confession itself. I think it's important that we feel the full force of our chri or shame, as this can be an, an, an effective spur to not repeating that unskillful action. Sometimes one of us makes an admission rather than a confession. That's usually something that we want to own up to, knowing that it's unskillful, but don't honestly feel ready to say that we won't do again. So an example of this. I discuss an elderly relative with my sister and the conversation can quickly become quite unskillful as it degenerates into unkindness as we complain and laugh at her foibles and the speech precepts go out of the window. I have confessed this more than once but still continue to do it occasionally. I know why I do it, I'm letting off steam and bonding with my sister and having a bit of a laugh, but I'm left with a nasty taste in my mouth and feeling ashamed. And it feels weird and not okay to confess it and yet keep doing it. So for now I've decided to admit it and work on it, moving towards giving it up altogether. And an idea came to me from the, well, it came actually from the Mitra study notes that I've been looking at recently, that I could try and commit to maybe not doing it for a month and kind of see how that goes. It's more kind of contained. So there are things that I've done in the past that I have needed to confess more than once and I've also done some forgiveness practice alongside that. I've found some of Tara Brack's guided meditations really helpful with this and they're free online. 
So it was suggested, the things that I was confessing more than once, it was suggested that maybe I was experiencing unhelpful guilt around these unskillful behaviours rather than helpful and necessary shame. And I'd like to read you the following extract from Sabuti's talk, Mind and Mental Events, which mentions both Hri and Apatrapia. So Hri is the painful consciousness of falling short of your ideals and often manifests physically as shame. It can be triggered either by a sensitive conscience, conscience that is offended when we act unskillfully or simply by our love of the Dharma. Apotropia differs from Hri in that it arises in dependence on our connection with others we respect or have faith in. It is not to be confused with neurotic guilt and the need to please others. Apotropia can be the more powerful motivator because we can't delude ourselves so easily. It's important to remember that, though normally unpleasant, both free and apotropia are positive mental events and we can cultivate them as guardians of our ethical values. The practice of confession can play an important part in this. So meanwhile, back at my own confession practice, sometimes I turn up and I'm scratching around for something to confess. So does this mean that in the last however many weeks I've behaved perfectly ethically? Hmm, I don't think so. <laughs> so that then leads me to think that perhaps I haven't been quite as mindful as I need to be and in fact my practice is becoming a bit sloppy. Even if my behaviour and speech are becoming more ethical, I can guarantee that I will have broken one or more of the mind precepts. So in confession, as well as regret and a commitment not to repeat the action, there's also a willingness to undo the effects of the act where that's possible. And it's not always, but I think that's an important component. So we finish the practice with each of us rejoicing in one of our merits trying to choose a practical illustration. So rather than just saying, I'm a generous person, actually giving an example of that. It helps to remind us that although we do behave unskillfully at times, that's not the whole picture. We then transfer our merits. So over and above the admiration I feel for Kate when I witness how refined her ethical practice is becoming, I feel our relationship has deepened immeasurably and unsurprisingly, there's a great deal of trust between us. And I also feel a lot of gratitude towards her. And Shanti Davis suggests that regret for past harmful actions is an important motivation for committing to the three jewels. And that certainly was the case for me when I came across the Dharma. And it's also a good reason to keep going with the confession practice. So the practice itself leaves me feeling emotionally lighter and freer, purified to some extent, more mindful that what is not good, O protectors, I shall not do again, and with a renewed intention to not let the side down. Mm -hmm.